0: Thank you for joining me on this podcast with Eileen Canphy. Um Eileen is a really good family friend of Sam's, actually. So we had her on because we've actually taken a few trips to um, her home. We visited with her, spent time with her and her family. And she's incredibly generous, incredibly nice. But she and I and Sam would have pretty interesting conversations about herbalism. So that is Eileen's thing. She's big into alternative healing through herbs and through natural remedies instead of modern medicine. Well, actually not instead in tandem with it as she talks about in the video, but she, I thought it was important to have a conversation with her because especially after everything with COVID, it seemed like there wasn't a lot of room for discussion about where healing should come from. It seemed like it was just one-sided and I thought she wasn't just someone who wanted to spout, you know, crazy ideas, as I would think some people would say, but she had a genuine heart for healing people and helping people. And she didn't think that that's, she didn't think that the way we do it now with modern medicine was necessarily the best way. So I thought it'd be fun to hear her perspective and hear her thoughts and her ideas. So I hope you get the same message and the same feel from her, but yeah, I enjoyed it and hope you do too. Hello, Mrs. Eileen Campy. How are you doing? I'm
1: doing great tonight.
0: It's good to see you. I'm happy to have you on here to answer some deep questions that I have about health and gut health.
1: (laughs) Thank you for inviting me.
0: No problem. You're uh, quite the interesting person, but just for people who don't know you, I know you, but why don't you give them kind of a background of who you are, how are you affiliated with what you love and what you work for and what you do?
1: Well, Mylene and Campy, and uh, I've been doing this for 46 years. I got started because I was 25 and had stage four cancer and decided I was not going to follow the medical model. Mm. And so I started looking in other areas and I found an herbalist who um, I had to live there. And I found my faith there. I found Jesus and my faith, and nutrition and herbs, and it totally blew my world away. I jumped in and started swimming, and and so I became a master herbalist, uh, a GAPS practitioner, an aromatherapist, um, and it's led me in this new in this direction for forty six years, where I've been helping people and learning and trying to keep um, the FDA out of our food.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a bold start. <laughs> that's I what like I've it.
1: I've been trying. That's been the quest for 46 years.
0: Cool. Okay. So It's <laughs> one I didn't... of
1: the big ones.
0: Yeah, no, that's... uh. Okay. So I'll start with the cancer because like, I know, I feel like we've talked about that, but I forgot. So you had stage four cancer you got into herbal, I, I don't know if it'd be like herbal science or something, but then you were cured. Like, is that what happened? Well,
1: I, yes, I learned where I, I had to learn all about herbs and had to make everything, do everything. I was there. And yes, I left there. And when I left, he said to me, "The this herbalist said, you have two choices. You can go back to your doctor, the gynecologist, because it was stage four cervical, or you can uh, go with how you're feeling and know what what you're doing and live this new lifestyle. The choice is yours. He said, if you go back, you probably will be diagnosed with stage one or stage two. He says, but I believe you can live with that the rest of your life. Do not allow fear to make your choices. I never went back. I decided I was going to live this new lifestyle. Whatever happened happened because I was not going to do medical traditional
0: medical model so what were you so like what made you so hesitant to go back to like traditional medicine?
1: Oh, because I didn't believe what they wanted to do would work.
0: Mm. had you and tried it so
1: I thought what?
0: Had you tried it? No,
1: I didn't even try it.
0: Mm.
1: I wasn't about to try it. When they gave me my options, I said, I'm done. What no. is it
0: like chemotherapy nope. and stuff like that?
1: No, back then they didn't have chemotherapy. Oh, wow. You had radiation and a hysterectomy.
0: Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, pretty- they didn't
1: have any of these. But even if they did have these drugs today, I wouldn't do it.
0: All right. All right. That's a quick start. Okay. So you yeah. end up going with the herbalist and you jump into this new field of study. What did it look like education wise to become like a master herbalist, like all these different things that you have under your belt? What did it look like to become the-
1: what it is? Well, what I went through is nothing like what it is today. Um, that it, it it's so different. So when I became a, a master herbalist, I had to go, go to the School of Natural Medicine. You had to learn um, how to put herbs together to make them synergetic and to do all that. And we had to be there. We had to get in touch with the plants and you had to make it. and You had to look what the chromatography was, was doing. Today, everything's online. The nutritional program I went through was like 18 months and I had to go through all six stages and do it myself and have, um, case studies to go along with it. That same degree today, certification today doesn't require that.
0: It's all online. Is that what you mean? Like people don't have to do today. Yeah. It's not the same rigor in a way. You can do
1: everything like what you're doing right now, I guess. I'm not. I'm old school. call yourself a
0: podcaster and you're really not. That's one thing it sounds like.
1: Yeah, there you go. Right.
0: (laughs) Okay. So you were in this school and were you like, were you working with people to, like you said, case studies, I'm assuming, like, would that mean you were working with real patients who had problems to see if the herbs would work? Like, is that what you mean by case studies?
1: Uh, No. That didn't happen until after you were you were at a certain point. Mm-hmm. At first you just had to learn how all the herbs work together, what they did, when to use them, but then you could get a case study going, but you had to get to a certain point to do that case study. And then you had a number of them.
0: So how so you first get into herb, how confident were you? in the process cuz it seems like if i were just thinking it my own in my own shoes i've been like been taught modern medicine over and over and over again my whole life and then there's this new field that promises to be different promises to help like how confident were you in herbalism as a actual like an actual Herbalist? thing that worked like how confident were you that it would work or was it just like oh, i'm going to try it. wow 100%. i fit
1: 100 it works for me yeah and if it can work for me why can't it work for others the pro, the difference is commitment traditional medicine one instills fear but two it um it's an easy way to do it Think about it. You go and you get chemo. You sit there for hours or whatever for cancer. For me, I had to pick the herb, make the herb, do whatever I needed to do to have that. So when you have someone coming, it's a lot of work. If you ever want to talk to someone who's doing really well, I could bring her. You could do a podcast with her because she's going through. She went the traditional med- way. And now she's doing it this way, and this way is work. And she says that. It's work, but it works. Our bodies know how to heal themselves given the right nutrition, the right lifestyle. Your body will heal. Will it heal to what it was before? Who knows? But you will heal mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. You will have a healing. You will have a peace that. Not all the time does traditional medicine give you that.
0: So you said traditional medicine, you said one part was like it uses fear. How would, what do you mean by that?
1: They use fear with me. You're stage four. You, 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 you know, if you don't have a history, if you don't have a hysterectomy or radiation, you probably won't live. And if you have a hysterectomy, you're not going to have children. And I was 25 and I wasn't married. So it to me, that felt, that was a lot of fear. And even today, when I have patients that come, I, I said, they have fear. Don't
0: do you think it's malicious or do you think it's... What if
1: it doesn't work?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I see that point. But do you think it's that it's malicious? Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, that's what I'm I feel like they don't have any other malicious? what they know.
1: No, I th- no, I don't think it's malicious. They believe in that. They're doctors, they believe in what they're doing. I believe in what I'm doing. It's just two totally different approaches. And what I say to people all the time, I don't care what avenue you choose, it doesn't matter. A lot, what matters, what I found is your faith and not getting, not losing that faith, not becoming fearful. Is it not working because I'm sick with the chemo? No, just go through attitude, attitude. Our attitude plays a big part, I think, in our healing.
0: Have you found that to be like, because I know I'm thinking of, I used to, I think of like placebos because people's mindset can, I mean, in the past, I think that is the thing that placebos, like it works off of people believing in it. But do you think that it's, because like you say that and it sounds great, but it's hard for me to be like, it's hard for me to say that, like I can scientifically prove that. Do you think it's just anecdotal or do you think that's something you've seen in literature or in results? Like what, what makes you say that with such confidence?
1: No, you can, t- okay. Aromatherapy. Okay, it's been proven by an EKG that a smelling, tasting, our five senses all play a part. And your brain in an EKG in 15 seconds will, reg- will register that, that it's making a pathway. It's choosing a pathway within 15 seconds. And an EKG has proven that.
0: Okay. Can you expound on that? So it's registering a pathway. What do you mean by that?
1: So what that means is when you smell, and I'll use an essential oil as an example, when you smell that essential oil within the brain, it, it receives a message and will send it from the hypothalamus in one of four directions.
0: Mm-hmm. And it is, is it like...
1: Aromatherapy. And that's just, that's just smelling it.
0: So it sends it out. Like, so it receives, because I know essential oils are a big piece of, I would guess, herb, like that's what I assume is that it's from like herbalist perspective is that it heals, but it, it uses the pathway. And where does it go? Like, where is, is it going to the point of pain? Is it going to the point of?
1: It's going to where it needs to go, depending on the oil that you're using. The brain will know where to send it.
0: Okay. Okay. I and
1: science okay. has proven that. And EKG has proven that with essential oils.
0: Interesting. Okay. So that's where, I'm... yeah, that's what I, and so that is where an herbalist comes in. Is there the one who diagnoses what essential oil to use? We don't diagnose. So what do you, what would you do in that situation?
1: We don't diagnose. They'll come with, to us with a diagnosis, and then we look at, at least I look at, I look at the whole person and I look at their nutrition and I look at what herbs would be beneficial. Do we need to activate? Do we need to build or do we need to cleanse? So there's an avenue that you take to, to start promoting that healing. And that's kind of where I go.
0: And so is the diagnosis, would that be from a traditional doctor or is that someone else within like the alternative medicine? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. The doctor, they come to, when someone comes to see me, they come with a diagnosis. This is what the doctor said. This is so, and then we go from there. I look at that diagnosis. I'll look at blood work. I'll look at whatever it is they bring. But the question is, it goes back to, Let's talk about you, what's your lifestyle what what do you think about this diagnosis it, you know, wanting to understand if there's fear in that diagnosis i wanted I want to address that,
0: yeah, I do think that's admirable about the medicine like the the healing that y'all practice because it is more it seems like it's a more of a holistic approach than traditional medicine where it seems like. Like I've heard it said by other people that it's just like a Band-Aid or it's prevented. Like it doesn't actually solve a problem. It's just a Band-Aid. Like it just treats a symptom, but it doesn't heal anything.
1: A lot of times it doesn't, but sometimes it does. But so they put them on a medication. It works. That medication is working. What happens is a lot of times what we see is that medication has a side effect. And so now they're experiencing a side effect to the medication. And so now we're working with, with that in play, which is more of what my practice is today than it was 20 years ago.
0: Side effect of medication, you mean?
1: I, had, I used to say I, when, when patients would come 20 years ago, I'd say, no problem. You're like an orange. Got the outer layer, we've got what I call the rootin and the spirit in, we've got the skin, then we got the fruit in there. We're gonna be to the root of the problem in no time. Now, when someone comes, I say you're an onion. <laughs> you're an onion. Layer after layer we have to peel back. Which that makes it a lot more complicated.
0: What do you thinks changed you in know, the last twenty years? A
1: lot more complicated
0: medications it's just more of it because it sounds more medications yeah, just more
1: and not just medications let me back up. I shouldn't say not just medications. I have many that are coming with bags of supplements we have we have taken oh they don't want medications anymore so everybody's out there on the market selling supplements. People are coming in here uh, with bags of supplements. And I'm like, wait a minute. How do you know how your gut's working? What's your digestive tract doing? Let's talk about your body and what it's doing because you may not be absorbing these and causing more problems. So I look at it as we're just substituting supplements for medications a lot of times. And that's not a good thing. We've gotten away from
0: real food. Yeah. No, I, I. Which you don't want me to go there because. <laughs> no, I, we can come back to that later. You know. No, I, but that's another thing yeah, I read about yeah. in a book.
1: Food's a whole nother.
0: Food is, a, I mean, it does seem like that's, I mean, that's what we'll definitely hit on in a second, but I'm curious to hear your opinion. I read, I was reading this book, Um, it's called Clean Gut. I can't remember who it was by, but it was, I was trying to get an understanding for like where you come from and like their feelings behind it. And he said he had a concept called open-minded medicine where it's like, it. because I would guess the stereotype for people like you who practice alternative healing is that it's like, no, we're the only way, there's no other way. But it sounds like you're saying there's a tandem relationship with modern medicine. Do you think that that's like your perspective or is it herbalism is the way, the only way when it comes to stuff like this?
1: i i believe it's in the it's in the eyes and the soul of the person and that's who i deal with if they believe in medication i have to enter into that with them on that journey and say okay how are we going to make this work for healing if uh, and you're in that journey i enter into them i don't draw them out to me as we're in that journey they may move more in that direction or they move away from me and stick with medications.
0: So let us I want to hear about the, a brief overview of the gut biome because that's what the guy in the book talked a lot about. I know that we talked about that a lot, That that seems to be an important driver of a lot of different aspects of health with people is the gut biome and the gut and all these different things.
1: Yes. So there's everything you hear out there now. There's prebiotic probiotics, and spores, okay? So I I look at that as a whole kind of like that's the package for micro that they're throwing into microbiome, okay? Because that has to deal with our gut. A prebiotic, okay, what a prebiotic does, it helps to digest the food you're eating so the proteins are more easily absorbed because every cell is what? Made of protein, repaired by protein, maintained by protein. So protein is important. So a prebiotic becomes important in that area. Now, a probiotic. A probiotic, um, I kind of, um, I don't run to probiotics. Anymore, because there's so many probiotics out there, and if you if your microbiome in your gut is not balanced, you can take a, too many probiotics and then cause a leaky gut, SIBO. There's a lot of issues that can come from from doing that because it can create more yeast. So getting the right strains a lot of times, if someone's coming with with Uh, gut issues, I look at strains for um, the microbiome. What's going on in the gut? What are the strains that would be beneficial to healing that part? Then the other, so that would be a, and a probiotic works in the lining, okay, of the gut. Now, a spore crosses the lining into this cell, so well, I like spores. I like a spore-based probiotic versus a probiotic. In some cases, not all. I mean, it's, that's why I said the person to me is, um, is who you need to get to know and what's happening in their body for to know how to adjust that microbiome to get it healthy. Because our 60% of our immune system comes from the microbiome. 60% of our immune system. Think about it. How many of us have messed up guts around here? Our, our digestive tract is not doing what it needs to do. So more people are more sickly now. Because our gut. I'm so thankful that science is now showing that the second brain, which is what we've always said, the gut is our second brain emotionally, mentally, physically, your gut gets affected, not, not just with our food. So, um, now science is proving that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So we go, so whenever we say like the gut microbiome, I, it, in my mind, I understood it as it's just, is it the intestines or is it like a separate entity in the stomach like where large is all of this happening the large
1: intestine okay, is where 60 percent of your immune system is but where does digestion start it starts in the mouth with the salivary gland and the salivary gland triggers the vagus nerve which then sends a message to the digestive tract to say hey something's coming you know so things need to start working but everything starts in the mouth, and do you know our immune system runs through our mouth as well? That's why somebody who has heart issues, when they go to a dentist, they have to take an antibiotic before going to the dentist. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm.
0: That's I, I. There was a lot of things in that that I. I know one of the things that talked about was that people who have I can't remember if it was people who are depressed take irritable bowel syndrome medications or people with IBS take antidepressants because of the link between like, I can't remember what it, the brain and the gut. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I had never heard that before. And I was curious to hear more about that idea that depression is something. Yes.
1: Well, think about it.
0: That and it,
1: it's been around forever. That's why the, a nervous stomach, when somebody goes to have to take a test or do something, they get a nervous stomach But that's really thinking about what it is they have to do that causes stomach. They didn't get a headache. They got a stomach ache. A lot of kids get that uh, when they're going back to school and have to learn to take tests and things. They get that nervous stomach. And so it's that brain-gut connection.
0: And that's, and so I, I heard it said like, if the stomach is not in order, that's when people can become depressed because like I'm trying to, I'm trying to picture how it happens. What is going wrong when someone gets depressed and it's because of their food? Are they gotten enough nutrients? Are they eating the wrong stuff? Like what is happening?
1: It, and there again, we have 32 feet of intestines. Anything could be going haywire anywhere in there that could be, causing that reaction that emotional reaction to take place. Women okay think about w- women postpartum they you hear it all the time postpartum depression right? That mm-hmm. comes yep. from a hormone imbalance within and so hormones hormones come from the liver as well. So what's happened with the liver that may be causing the hormones? Which would affect the microbiome, which affects the brain, the emotions. You, we can't separate us.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, se- it does seem like there are so many, but that's what I, I always come back to the idea. I'm like, how do traditional doctors see this and just throw medication at it? Do they know and are they like, why isn't this? Because I mean, I've I mean, I've like heard it before, but I haven't. Whenever I see people who are depressed, it's never that's never the first thing that I hear people say is, What are you eating? It's like, okay, let's give medication, let's do all these different things. And I just don't get why is that not a more common thing with traditional medicine?
1: They're not how they're trained. Now, when I was a young girl, so you're talking set probably sixty years ago, let's say I was ten or eleven. 60, 61 years ago, we had family doctors. I never went to a doctor's office. The doctor came to our house. So when they come to the house, they're seeing the family dynamics. It's given, I think it gave them a better picture of what was going on so they could better address the sick patient versus we're just going to a doctor and now what Everything zoom right let me zoom you in and see what your issues are and we'll just give you something even my field even in my field they want to just do a zoom i'm like no i want to touch you i want to look at your eyes i want to look at your tongue
0: yeah i know it's yeah it's something that i just i just can't understand it just I, it's the hardest thing that I think about whenever I think of like herbalism is like if it works so well, why is it not a more common use in traditional medicine? Is it money? Is it insurance companies like or is it just pride? Is it just like this is how we've done it. This is how we're going to keep doing it. Like what do you, you think?
1: I can't answer for them why they – I embrace them. I embrace the medical profession. Um, I want to hear what they have to say. I can share with you. I was I was invited to go speak to the esophage- the Mayo Esophageal um, Cancer Support Group, and they were having different speakers, and I brought. The nutrition, the supplements, kind of, not not supplements, food and nutrition, and say drinks there, right, for them to try um and we were I was gonna give a talk well, this before I spoke, a doctor spoke an esophageal I don't even know what type of doctor he was, but he was speaking, and somebody asked a question. About herbs and nutrition. And he says, you'll need to listen to her talk about it. And when I came on, he left the room. He didn't even want to hear about it. And these are some of his patients. They, you know, he was just not, it's not a quick fix. They're into looking at helping the patient very quickly. Okay, that's what I think that that's their job. And that's really what they want to do. Where when someone comes to me, I say it's not a quick fix and you're going to have to work at this. You know, it take it's going to take all of what you have to do this route. And um, it's what I believe in. So that's why I do it.
0: But it's work. Do you. What do you think about, like, have you experienced people who, because I can say whenever I go on social media and I, if I were to propose the ideas that you had, I would bet that people would scoff at the idea and be like, you're just a, a you you're an anti-vax. Like, yeah, you're an idiot. Like, you're just an idiot. Like, have you experienced that firsthand? And how does that, how do you react? And what would you say to those people who say that?
1: Um, I've really never had that said to me. I've had them say, I don't understand what it is you're doing. I wouldn't do that. That's what the, I would, I would never do that. That's, that's, that's crazy what you want me to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I say, yeah, maybe it is, but you ought to give it a try. You can always do traditional medicine. Always. You can always stop this and do that. But if we could get your body, your mind, your gut, everything working. Why not? Why not give it a try? And like I said, if you want to talk to someone who did it the other way. And now is doing it this way and is feeling like a new person. And she's doing all the work. This young woman is amazing.
0: Is she coming into the field? And
1: she's doing it. She goes, I'll go on. I'll go on. I thought you were crazy, but I was worth a try. She says, and now I'm sold. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And there's many avenues out there, even nutritionally. And, you know, there's many. And Again, I say, I don't, it doesn't matter to me what avenue you choose. Just do it wholeheartedly and don't doubt your decision. I don't like when people doubt themselves because that tells me they really didn't buy in. They had a doubt going in.
0: And you believe that like you, have you, you've seen firsthand people need to be bought in for not necessarily need it to work, but that is a key component of you think any medication, any treatment, any healing process?
1: Yes. Any treatment. I think, I think, interesting. I think modern medicine, cancer treatments can work. What are they doing? Are they going in and because they're feeling sick from the chemo or whatever? Oh, it's not working. Oh, it's this. But you look at those that have um, made that decision, have whatever their their diagnosis was and are going through with it. And some are doing really well. How does that work? Some, you know, there's some breast cancer that live and then some, how does that work? You know what I say how that works? One, faith. And two, did they change their lifestyle? Did they address the emotional component? And if you talk to those who who probably, they've probably addressed those and have made some of those changes. They bought in.
0: That's to me being all in. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but would you say, like, it is, would you say almost the difference between life and death is commitment? Like, is that, like, I don't, I don't maybe hounding on the same question that I kind of just asked, but it, like, whenever I heard you say, like, you know some people live, some people don't like, and it's this I mean it is the same treatment, but you think that commitment is almost a life or death thing in that in that scenario
1: I think it's our soul, our soul, we are body, mind, spirit, and soul, and if they are not of one accord, then you've got discord, and if you have discord what's going to happen in the gut then i go back to the microbiome the gut is not going to be healthy it's going to have a disruption it's going to be, be get out of balance and if it gets out of balance it's going to create the emotions in the brain the doubt the fear the depression to set in
0: okay so let's i'm curious to hear your thoughts so we think about food and i've In that book, he talked a lot about like enriched flour. I can't remember the other things that he was saying, but like, what are some of the most common foods that you've seen cause the most damage to people's guts and intestinal tracts and stuff like that?
1: S-A-D. Sad. Sad. Uh-huh. American diet. All of it. All of it. All All of it. Processed foods. All of it. If there's more than five ingredients in something and you can't pronounce them, you got a problem. We got a problem. You know, that's what I say when people, let's take, let's just take kombucha. Have you heard of kombucha?
0: I have heard of kombucha.
1: Okay. So kombucha is what? It's supposed to be be a gut health, healthy gut, right? It was. It used to be. It used to be very healthy. It would help heal the gut. Now, go look at all the kombuchas on the market. What heals the gut? Five grams or less of sugar in that kombucha. You look at most of the kombuchas on the market, even if it's fermented, it'll say 29 grams of sugar. What does sugar do to the gut? The worst thing for us is sugar and it just eats away so i you know i think our 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 whole food system that's why i want the fda to keep their
0: hands off my plate <laughs> it seems like the fda's mission would be to help no but i guess you don't see it that way
1: no i do not <laughs> see it that way
0: what makes you say and that? And I
1: don't see. And now another issue. Oh, do you don't want me to get into politics?
0: <laughs> All you right. Know. No, I'm good with it. That's the whole the point The
1: Federal that. Trade Commission. The Federal Trade Commission is now coming in and looking how herbs and homeopathics and essential oils because we for them to to work right, we we should get them from the origin of country. Okay? Most of us want that, well, Federal Trade Commissions, they have their little hands in there now, too. So, yeah, no.
0: Let's, well, so are let's they stay. banning? What are they doing? Are they banning it from countries that like, what are they doing? That's so like, I'm
1: not sure what they're doing. All I know is when I want to get an herb and I can't get it anymore. And then I dig and dig. is to say we've gotten this herb for 40 Six years now, why can't I get this herb? You know, I hear from them, well, Federal Trade Commission, they're de- I'm like, oh gosh, you know, they're shutting this down, they're stopping this. And I know I've had personal experience with the FDA, I haven't oh. had personal experience yet with the uh FTC, other than um not being able to get the herbs and the essential oils and things that I've gotten for 46 years. And now I can't get them. So
0: the government, man, it doesn't sound like you're a fan of the government.
1: Oh gosh. No. Back <laughs> before libertarians were, um, popular. They're not popular yet, But but I was a libertarian way back when, no, I'm not for the government. Well, I don't want them to come after me. Is it going to come after me now that I'm saying this to you?
0: I don't think I have enough listeners for that to happen. Maybe if I get big one day, but right now okay. you should not be in okay. any danger. But what would an average day of eating look like for Eileen Campy? Like what would you eat in a day?
1: Um, well, it varies what I'm doing a lot. I used to be an intermittent faster Okay. Okay. But at 71, my kids said to me, I need a trainer. I need to get in the gym. I need to maintain something. (laughs) So now that I'm working out, I'm eating different than I was before. So I think, again, a lot has to do with lifestyle. A lot has to do with lifestyle. So I really look at the individual when they, they, they come to me, what is, um, what's going on. I have always been a proponent of um, organ meats and bone broths. And, you know, tonight I had bone broth with an egg yolk and sauerkraut. That was my snack because I didn't have time to eat yet. I won't eat now. It'll be too late, but... But anyway, that was, you know, I figured that'll hold me over till I had my protein, my fat, and I had good fermented sauerkraut. So I eat a lot different than most people.
0: So this is kind of a tangent, but I recently listened to a conversation with Joe Rogan and this one guy who made this documentary called Game Changers, which was about he was not not a fan of animal protein in the slightest. Like I think that he said what? there are exceptions. So he What'd said he that, say? that animal proteins are, he was not a proponent of animal proteins in the slightest. He didn't, he was like, I, can't, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he was like, he recommended cutting them out entirely and going to plant-based protein instead. What would you say to him?
1: Well, I would say that plant-based proteins don't have all of the amino acids that we need and um, that the brain needs. So I am not a proponent. Do I believe that? Yes, plant-based are cleansing. Plants are cleansing. So I believe if somebody needs cleansing, I did that. I did when I first had my cancer and every so often i'll go on a cleanse and it'll be a plant-based cleanse but then i come off of that and i go back to eating pretty much i want to eat whatever's out. i want to eat the food from the land that's been yeah. given to us by god so that's that's how i look at it but no i've gone round and round i work with a number of I have a number of uh, doctors that have sent their patients um, to me for nutrition because he wanted them on a plant-based diet and they weren't sure that that was something they really want to do. Can we come to a balance? Can you do that? And then we add in the meat, what you want. So I believe there's room for everything has a season. Everything has a season, but to go and live just one way, if you know, if that's what your body calls for. But I have not seen um, another example. I had someone come to me 15 years, plant based diet. Okay, he went all around trying to figure out what was matter with him. He came here, it was amino acids. He did not want to give up his plant-based, he was a vegan, he wanted to stay that way. I had to talk him into, I said, then just eat bee pollen. Just eat bee pollen for me. It'll give you all the amino acids. But it was an insect deriving that bee pollen. He didn't want to do that. He ended up doing it because I said, try it for a week. I sent him home with some. I said, just try it. I know you're going to feel better in a week. Oh, my gosh. He couldn't believe it. So he did. He may be a vegan, but he is doing bee pollen. And it's like, how can we get that in there? But just doing a plant-based diet without those others, um, I'm not a proponent of. Have you have you followed Liver King at all?
0: I have followed Liver King and my honest thoughts is that he's on steroids. I don't think that that is a natural <laughs> that is not a natural physique I would say. But maybe I'm no. wrong, but I highly doubt it's natural to be uh to be no. that ripped for just to be honest. I don't know. What do you think about Liver King?
1: Um I don't know. He's I uh, he's new to me. I like kind of what he's, he some of what he's thinking, because I have a lot of athletes. I have a lot of athletes. So what I've done is I believe this with all of my heart. If I'm going to promote something or if I want to see if it works, I do it myself. I have been for the last seven weeks, because I've been working out for seven weeks, I am eating raw liver, spleen, kidney, and gizzards. I'm trying it. It because I'm working out. I'm going to see what how it makes me feel.
0: Have I'm you noticed any differences? Yeah, that's what I was curious. What? Have you noticed any differences?
1: In what?
0: I don't know like have you seen any Benefits or consequence? Like, have you noticed anything Uh, different?
1: A couple of people have mentioned to me, patients, what are you doing? You're getting some definition there in my arms. (laughs) arms. It's only been seven weeks. I've only been doing this for seven weeks. So I'm going to do it as long as as I'm working out and just see, just see. But I'm putting him to the test. I'm going to see what it does for me because I've never done it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's it. Yeah. That's and, and,
1: and, and truly, you know, I'm liking, uh, uh, and I was not a big meat eater, but I'm, I'm eating it raw and frozen. I eat it raw and frozen with sauerkraut juice to break. Man, I put that frozen organ in my mouth and I'm take some fermented sauerkraut juice. I can feel the enzyme starting to work in my mouth. Now that excites me.
0: <laughs> that's, yeah, I don't know if I've ever heard that before, to be honest with you.
1: But I'm, see, you know, but I'm one that I can feel what's happening.
0: Uh, so th- that's the thing that I've heard you say a few times is like, because I, I say something worked for me, I wouldn't necessarily, my first thought wouldn't necessarily be to think that it would work for other people. But it sounds like that's something even as you began your study with herbalism, like if it works for me, it should work for other people. Like it could. It could. Okay.
1: Could work. Not should, it could. A lot depends on the person.
0: Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, I was I was curious about that. Yeah.
1: That it you know, where that's why I said you have to I have to just kind of be with that person. I need to, what are they eating? When are they eating? What is their emotional? Perfect example, a young woman. She's had, um, oh, acid reflux is kind of what she's having. She wasn't sure about it. What What's causing it? You know, what's she eating? I, uh, here's what I said to her. I said, Um, do you have any emotion, any emotional stress? She went, no, not, not really. I said, how about, are you in a relationship? She goes, yes. I said, well, how's that relationship? She says, I just don't know. I said, there's your issue. You've got a nervous stomach. Because with the relationship, let's work on that. What do you think you need to do? And sure enough, her acid reflux went away. She didn't need anything. She just needed to deal with what was causing the stress.
0: Wow. I mean That's like, I hear that and I'm like, so it doesn't seem, it almost seems like your treatment isn't necessarily just like herbs it's beyond it's like not psychiatry or therapy like but it is on in a way like it's just like almost people need someone to be there for them and it's like you're there
1: well it's a whole person you have to deal with the whole person if someone is sick what's the root cause it what there's a root cause and it's getting to the root cause that will bring healing true healing and she was young and it was simple enough when it dawned on her yeah she is struggling with that she doesn't know how to get out of the relationship and she wants to get out she doesn't know how you know well once she figured that out we you know she had a she was doing better she doesn't have the acid reflux so
0: do these results usually last like what? do they stay for a while? Like do these results usually last for a while or is it temporary? Like well, would it come it's back? Te-
1: it's teaching her, okay. Um everybody has um what I call a sensitive area. Somebody gets neck, you know, their necks hurt all the time. That's a form of of, of stress, emotion probably could be emotional stress or physical stress. What what is that? If you're constantly going to a chiropractor or a doctor, you have neck ache and headache and nothing's working, let's look at the environment or what you're eating and work on that. And a lot of times that takes care of your neck. Per Another example, plantar fasciitis. Plantar fasciitis are many different Causes for plantar fasciitis. But when someone comes to me, if they've been going to the foot doctor and the chiropractor and wherever else, and it's not working, they're not getting better, I deal with their digestive tract. And it, it helps to heal the plantar fasciitis, yeah, which is a foot issue. But it's really a gut issue. That's
0: baffling. That's a hard thing to process because I, I just don't I don't see that.
1: Every nerve to every organ goes to your feet. <laughs> yeah. So you can't leave the feet out of it.
0: And that's food. <laughs> so it changes with food. Like that's the, is that the solution Hey.
1: Yeah. For her, that was the solution because it wasn't stress. It wasn't, um, physical, you know, it wasn't her feet wasn't her hip or something, the ankle or heel that was causing it.
0: And what, was there like one food in yeah. particular when you had talked to her? That's what it was. That you're like, oh, it's that it's the bread or it's the X or the Y. Like, is there a food or is it just a whole usual diet that is a choice?
1: It's usually a number of different foods or the way they're eating the foods. But a lot of times it's a combinations. It's not just, unless somebody's a sugar addict, well, then sugar's the issue. You know, sugar's the issue. Somebody will come to me, and uh, I think think coffee's the issue. And I'll say, hmm, okay, how do you drink your coffee? When do you drink your coffee? Well, I need to have cream and sugar, and no, coffee's not the issue. Let's start with the sugar (laughs) (laughs) and the creamer. It's an artificial creamer. Why don't we start with those two? You know, and sure enough, we can make those changes. But, and it has to sometimes be a small change. You can't do too much at one time because then they'll go into, dep- they can go into depression because the brain becomes addicted. Sugar is like alcohol and. Tobacco or a drug, it be, your brain becomes addicted to it and sends that message right to the gut. That's why after someone eats dinner, they like to have something sweet. Okay? That, they got a gut issue. But that's, and I'll usually ask them that. Do you like to have dessert right after? Do you like ice cream after you eat? That's another big key clue. But yeah, if they want a piece of chocolate, I'm okay with that. But if they're eating a carb or a sugar or a sweet, okay, we probably have a digestive issue going on, and okay, we got to take care of that gut.
0: Speaking of drugs, what would be what is kind of the modern take on THC and marijuana within the herbalism community? Like, is it embraced?
1: Well, I can show you a book. Back from 1977, when I took a class, it's called the, um, it was my, it was an herbalist class that I had taken. We were to use, we were, marijuana was used in that, in our classes back then. Yeah. For certain pain, for cancer. It was my book will show you, 1977. (laughs) There it was. So it was used back then and and probably because of the THC. With science today, which has really been beneficial in some point, because we've been able to look at how does it work? Why does it work? What works differently? um, You know, and so being able to take the THC out, which gets you high... You know, or, or alters your uh, mood and thinking versus um, the CBD and the endocannabinoids, which science has found, and we're learning, I've only been learning in the past three to five years, maybe a little longer. We have a whole endocannabinoid system within our cells. I had no idea, but I know endocannabinoids were were beneficial, terpenines and endocannabinoids. I just didn't know that we have an endocannabinoid system. And so I'm really, now that science is there, really learning how those two will work in the body with different types of CBDs and full-spectrum hemp in healing.
0: So THC is kind of frowned upon and CBD is... It's like embraced. Um, is, that, is that true?
1: Well, yeah, but I, a THC, you need some, with cancer patients, you need to have some THC. So it all depends. Um, if, you know, somebody's having trouble sleeping and they're depressed or they've had a lot of trauma. Okay. Trauma. A little higher of the THC sometimes helps them. So I think a lot, you know, and that's where I guess legalizing it um, helps. Because I think, I mean, I have patients that have their marijuana cards and they go in and they can tell them what they're feeling and they give them that marijuana for it. I'm like, huh, that's that's okay, I guess. (laughs) You know?
0: So I was talking to my sister-in-law and she had a degree in social work and I was asking her like, what do you think is probably like the key, like a super important factor in a child being like emotionally stable? And she said like um, a stable family life at home. And so I think whenever I ask you, what do you think is a key what do you think is probably the most important thing to ensure that someone's in great holistic health? Like what would you say would be the best uh, way? Someone
1: has what? Has what? Like,
0: to make sure that someone is in the best holistic health they can be. What would have, what have you seen is like the best way to ensure that I will be holistically well? Like I will feel great. I will be great on all these different like emotional, spiritual, physical things. What would be you think the most important aspect of my life? Like would it be faith? Is it nutrition? Is it relationships? Faith. 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 Faith.
1: I'd say faith.
0: Faith in anything? Faith in anything in particular?
1: Well well, to me, for me, I believe there's only one way. And that's Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. But I also know God hears us. He hears. The book Radical Remission. There's a book Radical Remission. It um it's an amazing book. I give it to all my cancer patients. I say this is a book you need to read whether you know you have a faith or you know Jesus or you don't. This book talks about healing cancer patients 10 and 15 years, but every one of them had a faith. Some had a Jewish faith, some had a Hindu faith, some had a Christian faith, but they had a faith. I believe all souls are, are, God said, I knew you before I placed you in your mother's womb. I believe that. So I believe there's a God. So all of these religions... God's hearing them. Now, I, what I personally believe is that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And he plays a big part in who I am and what I do. It's a gift. I'm humbled.
0: So the Radical Remission book, I the only thing I can think of is like, the only thing I can think of like that could be negative is that people could read that and want to have this faith. And then it doesn't work out. And then they are like, or people around them are like, well, what went wrong? Like, I I just can't, I, it seems like a dangerous thing to propose When you
1: read their stories, but when you read their stories, you'll find the emotional was in there. They dealt with their emotions. They dealt with grief. They dealt with anger. They dealt with nutrition but they all had a faith in every one of the avenues they chose. They all had a faith in every avenue that they chose. You know? It, it, to me, yeah.
0: Yeah, but it was only the living ones. That's the yeah, only thing right. I think. Yeah, right. We of. don't hear like, about, about the, the dead ones, people. you're right.
1: Those, those that are gone. Know. Yeah. But... That that's what we need to be. We need to be looking to those who are living. What did they do so they could live? I mean that's fair. Once they're gone, they're gone. We can't Mm. ask them. I don't know that I'd want to. They're gone. I want the wisdom of those that are living.
0: You know? I don't want to keep you too long, but me and Zimmel okay. We always we wanted to make sure that we ask people it's, I mean, it's a big question, but it's something that we want to hear from people is what do you think is the meaning of this all? Like meaning of life, meaning of all this different... And I may already have a guess in my mind that may be what you're going to say, but I'm curious to hear what you think.
1: The meaning of life. Hmm. Hmm. <sighs> I think the meaning of life for me is... Um, To, um, to trust in the man who died for me. And that brings peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. And with that peace, I have joy. And to me, that's Jesus. He died for me. He didn't. He chose. Chose to do that. And that to me is. He's the only one. And. So that's where I put my faith and my trust. And with that, I experience courage, a boldness, and a peace, and a joy that nothing else brings. Nothing. And so that's, that's it for me.
0: All right. That's it for me, too.